even with the Justin shit, we were writing all that shit same day, just going, going, going. All the Rihanna songs, same day, all that. And so Bruno was the first person I worked with that we worked on a song over a span of time and fucking swept the Grammys. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the pod. Sitting with me today is one of the greatest songwriters of all time. I agree. You may know him from Bruno, Justin Timberlake, Beyonce, Drake, J. Cole, Cardi B, Rihanna. That's just like a a little fragment of the list. I can't remember them all. It doesn't even matter. Ladies and gentlemen... (laughs) Welcome one of my favorite humans, yes. James Pomeroy. Yes, he's real. Ah, yes. Oh my God, I'm crying. <laughs> I was here with you last week and uh, some really important person, I forgot who he was. Uh, the guy that linked you with Disney was like, Disney came to me and was looking for, they were like, we have, mm-hmm. we're going to do a platinum Mickey Mouse. And, you know, so what do you think? And he was like, well, I know the most platinum person alive yeah and that was james fontleroy it's true how does it feel to be the most platinum person alive um i don't know if that's technically accurate but it's for sure actually real (laughs) (laughs) so in that in that regard it feels it's conflicting man it's like um (laughs) i'm living the life of a bad bitch (laughs) and it's hard you know what i mean it's tough to be a bad bitch it is man i really at first before i came to this side of reality i didn't understand what a bad bitch had to go through but now i know all too well yeah you you're, you're too wanted yes yeah, man it's rough yeah so i'm dedicating this to all the bad bitches so that means that you don't date bad bitches because you're a bad bitch um i'm married to the game bro that's why you're so productive and the most platinum person alive <laughs> <There you go>. <laughs> <laughs> all right so you've written a ton of hits man i know you've written all sorts of songs a lot of the biggest songs ever. A lot of my favorite songs, too. Yes. Because when you write a pop song, you know how to make it musical and great and soulful. That's and my goal, just man. amazing, I'm glad to bro. Hear you say that. So I love that. And uh, so you are an artist singing your own tracks. Mm-hmm. You are a feature artist on a lot of these songs that you've written slash co-written. And a lot of them, you are not singing on them or not credited as a feature artist and just as a songwriter. Mm-hmm. What determines when the song is featuring James Fauntleroy or if it's just you writing a song? Well, it's it's changed over the years because, you know, like the first time I was singing on songs with just backgrounds, which was always great to get those little sag after checks. You know what I mean? For movies that I may or may not have even been in the room. <laughs> but I really, <laughs> really enjoyed those in the early days or enjoyed those sag after checks. But for the most part, what determines it is basically, like, just a circumstance. Like, um, over the years, I've done, like, background or writing for people where they, like, did something I like to call stealing a feature. You know what I mean? Where yeah. they, like, it wasn't intended to be me on the song. But they either kept my vocals or kept a whole entire, you know, like, performance or something like that. So that is the middle ground. And then there are times when people are like, yo, I want you to get on my song. And that happens a lot. So so sometimes it's that you've written a song and you've tracked the vocal and then it ends up with an artist and then they're like, oh, let's keep James's vocal in this part. 
I don't know if I have any songs that I sold that way. Mm. I don't I don't think I've ever maybe there's one out of the hundreds of songs that I I successfully shopped. Yeah. And so that doesn't mean there's a few songs in my life that other people shopped, but from my personal experience, um most of the songs I'm running through them in my mind right now, the ones that made me money. All the ones that made me money, I wrote them on the spot. And then when you write them on the spot, do you sing them on the spot? Is the artist mm-hmm. like, is Kendrick like, James, I want you to actually keep your voice on this. Well, no, that one, that was Terrace. Terrace called me for that, and that was with the intent of staying on the song. So Got I it. knew beforehand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Terrace so, yeah. Martin. Yeah, Terrace oh, Martin. You just OG. dropped another new album with Let's Go, Nova. Get it now. You want to hear James Fauntleroy and Terrace Martin do a bossa nova, soulful, sexy album? They do. You can go anywhere and listen to it right now. Yeah, you can. It's everywhere. Girls like Beyonce. They do. You're in the studio with Drake. You guys do girls like Beyonce. Then you end up in the studio with Beyonce because you're James Fauntleroy. Is she like, <laughs> so you and Drake have been singing about me, James. Actually, I was writing with Beyonce immediately after, or for Beyonce, immediately after my first hit, which was before I met Drake. So I already knew Beyonce when I did that song. And I had already met LaShawn Daniels, rest in peace. He wrote that song. And Rodney Jergens. So I knew everybody else in, yeah. except him. But by the time we did that song, we already knew each other. Because we met, um, I met him and 40. And all the guys in London, they were working on, uh, when I was working on Rihanna's album, Rated R. And they came to write some songs, which um, a lot of those songs ended up finding different ways to become smash hits, honestly. But that he wrote but um that's where we met and i just was like oh man i'm a big fan and he was like oh i know about you i'm a fan too i think he said i'm good let's just assume he said that because it sounds cool <laughs> i like that part of the story <laughs> yeah like man drake was like oh what well, i'm such a huge fan i don't know if he actually said that but <laughs> but then i ended up like keeping up with 40 in particular and um they were working on that song and it was literally like a yo can you come sing on this song so that was like ask me you know what i mean and I, I did actually work on the last thing I worked on with those guys was the Scorpion album. But, um, you know, that Girls Love Beyonce, that was a decade ago. So that's when me and Drake were like similarly rich. Mm. So we talked a lot more at that time. And now you have just far, far surpassed him. So no, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> Now his face is on the $100 bill and I need $100. <laughs> But that doesn't actually answer the question, which is, is Beyonce like James and James and Drake are know. singing about? She's not, you know, when you see her, she's not like, oh, so. Yeah, no, she didn't say anything to me about it. And she had a lot of opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> she was so. like, pass. I have other things to talk about. No, I'm sure she loved it. She's a big, big music fan. So I'm sure she thought it was funny. Amazing. Yeah. I want to settle this right now, bro. Let's do it. Because I've heard people, heard people fucked shit up. Mm-hmm. James Fauntleroy or James Fauntleroy? It's Fauntleroy. I knew that. Thank you. No one call him Fauntleroy anymore. It's okay, guys. I've been called everything. Flournoy, that's a popular name. That's not mine. Uh, Flauntleroy, that's my favorite one. <laughs> Flauntleroy. Because of my lifestyle. And, I like Flauntleroy. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not mad at that yeah, one. Yeah, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. That's a nickname. Yeah, when I won my first trophy, which was for best costume at daycare. I got a trophy, 
which is really crazy now I'm thinking about it. Like, who went out and got trophies for us for that? But it's, yep, James Flauntleroy on my first trophy. Huge, bro. Mm-hmm. That's when you were like, I'm going to be the most platinum person. Yep, right in that moment. Of all time. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're sitting in your studio. Yeah, this place is amazing, man. Tell us about Volume Thank Studios. You. What is, this is a new, this is a whole new complex. It's a whole new studio, man. State of the art. It's the newest studio in town, probably. So that makes it the most technologically advanced, if not one of the most advanced. And um, let's see, it's it's a it's a content studio. We got a theater and a sound stage and an outdoor stage and a bunch of studios and a circus and. All these different things that, oh, and all this art and just all these things that are here representing different things I want to expose our students to and my peers. The students being on the other side of the wall of this building, I, I wanted to have a real business operating next to the school so I, they could have like pathway opportunities. I got the idea from um, Blackbird Studio in Nashville, one of the best studios to ever be created. He has an engineering school next to it, which I always thought was pure unbridled hot steaming genius mm-hmm. and so john mcbride being, i being love him. i yeah. love um john mcbride he's yeah. so cool and um you know he's he's a big part of the inspiration for what's going on here the other being the disney man you mentioned earlier his name is darren romanelli darren romanelli and the third is. being a group of awful music business experiences <laughs> i've had <laughs> Those are the three people that brought us here to this place today. This place is amazing. Thanks, dude. I love it, man. I'm really hoping to, I mean, with the school, kind of the intent, there's so many different things that are intended to come from that, but a big part of it was, like, the opportunity to send better people into the music business. Yes. Because, you know, the music business, just like anything coveted, it has a lot of misconceptions about, like, how things go, the environment, what's okay, what's not okay. And having such an unusually long career, I've seen, um, you know, every version of how to fuck your shit up that exists. Yeah. Like, I've seen it all. Men, men's versions, women, the things that go that they both go through, the different positions, like musician, executive. I've seen everybody, like, uh, I've seen so many people come and go because yeah. there's the music business, like, uh, it has, like, dog years version of generations, uh, you know, relative to actual human life yeah and so typically people have like a one to three year career if you did three years you like murdered it you know what i mean and so like i'm like a dinosaur now or a ghost or a dinosaur ghost and uh you know it's like, already gone yeah exactly <laughs> and so that's really like why i wanted to do the school why this is over here it's all to see if there's a possibility that we can shorten the path for some of these guys because like while some things are unavoidable period some things are unavoidable and valuable because you need to learn that experience but some things i don't think i really needed to get fucked over that many times yeah. to get the point for sure um and so i always wonder like <laughs> you know what i mean like, of course i think i, of course. I picked it up the first yeah. four times as a fellow dinosaur i completely understand. you know what i mean yeah. i don't think i needed all those so i'm i was always wondering i've always been curious to see like what kind of careers will come from starting people a little bit further yeah and kind of prepping them in a different way than you know we had so that's that's incredible man what a gift for you to give to so many different people thanks because you're sharing your time you're sharing your heart you're sharing your experiences like hell yeah and and now my studio yeah 
Yeah, thank you. James is not charging us to be here. I don't think. Not in cash money. You're not charging us. We'll to talk be here, about right? it after. Okay. <laughs> Katrina, you send a follow up about that. Well, dude, this place is amazing. Fifteen hundred Sound Academy is amazing. Everyone, check out everything that James is doing. I know. I know a lot of a lot of people, especially uh, here in California, know all about Fifteen Hundred Sound Academy. But wherever you're watching, especially if you're trying to advance your career, anything. Music production, Ableton, Pro Tools, Pop, Hip Hop, etc. Fifteen hundred. That's right, baby. Sound Academy. Yeah, let's go. And uh, I want—I would love to talk to you about fifteen hundred or nothing. Because mm-hmm. you're what? How many years in are you on fifteen hundred or nothing? However many years it's been existing. <laughs> so, <laughs> I know that. Let me see. Twenty. Yeah. It's fifteen. Sixteen. Um, I'd say what? What year would be fifteen years ago? Mathematicians. It'd be two thousand and eight. That was really fast. So, uh, so you're no. at 16 years. You no, your... it wasn't. It wasn't 2008. It was 2006. 2006. I, I think I met them in 2005, and they were already gigging and stuff. They just weren't called 1500 yet. Right. And so I think the first gig was in 2006. 2006. Mm-hmm. Got the 20th anniversary coming up. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Even though you kind of missed, you should have done the 15. But yeah, damn. Yeah, it doesn't Fuck. matter. You got was, it. You, oh, my God. You might have actually gotten your day on the 15th year. Oh, yeah. Boom. You're right. Look at that. 1500 James Fallenroy has a day. Yeah. He's not only the most platinum person, but he's, I don't know, it sounds like you have a sidewalk, too. Some <laughs> concrete or something. What makes a day? Not yet, dude. It's physically. <laughs> I don't know, man. It'll be Fauntleroy Avenue. The day is mine. This I street might so. become Fauntleroy Avenue one day. I think it should soon. Yeah, on dude. Monday. Yeah, aviation. Get yeah. rid of aviation. Yeah, because I'm way flyer than that. So, I would love to talk about your long partnership with Rants because mm-hmm. I think when I see people that have been working together for that long, I just feel like there's there's stuff you need to talk about in order to tell so many people what makes a partnership last. Mm-hmm. So, Rants and you have been doing 1500 for let's say 15 plus years. Yeah. And now you're doing volume mm-hmm. as well as 1500 as well as everything. So what is your relationship like with Rants and how do you have a partnership last that long? I think even though me and him are as opposite as two human beings could possibly be like the movie <laughs> twins with Danny DeVito <laughs> and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, maybe there's a few more opposite things that could possibly happen, but I think it's cause we have the same goals and, uh, we feel the same about, you know, like growth. Yeah. So like we're we're both always frantically trying to just uh, grow and improve and learn and kind of stretch out in our really super different ways and methods of doing that. But I think that's why we're still around each other because, uh, you know, we're both headed in the same direction. What do you think of that? And that has kept you essentially together yeah i do because um he'll tell you too like when i first started making money in publishing that was a different direction than gigging yeah yeah yeah. which for me i was singing backgrounds anyway so that's a different amount of money and a different lifestyle yeah. Than, oh, a, yeah. than the band players Absolutely. are getting so that was never really like my plan was to be a background singer in the first place because i'm such a fancy man with a fancy name so I always wanted fancy things my whole life. Oh, yeah. So I was like, this shit ain't it. So then when I found out um, that you could get paid to write songs, because I didn't know you could do that. 
So I didn't grow up singing or writing serious songs. I love Weird Al though. So I wrote, <laughs> I wrote a lot of funny songs. Like, so I, I always say I started writing as an adult when I, you know, met these guys. But probably the real first songs I was writing were parody songs, making fun of popular songs of the day because I just love Weird Al so much. But um, yeah, that that's the answer I think. Because I feel like you guys are both like planets. You have your own. Oh, yeah, no question. We're, you know, we're too different to be on the same planet. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely from different planets, but you're in the same solar system. Yeah, it's just so, the same. Whether, however well we are able to accomplish or execute yeah. what our goal is, we know that that's, it's the same goal. It's, it's growth. It's, it's bigger. It's more. It's better. It's, you know what I mean? So yeah. that, that comes with a lot of complications and a lot of, you know, nuance, but well, growth is you know, something hard. worked. Yeah, because yeah. we're sitting in here now. Yeah, and um, so it was a worthy. It was it was a valuable road wow. because now, especially after having done so much shit that I can't even remember yeah. genuinely. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing more fulfilling than the students. Just the students in general. We have special needs students with the, with the organization called YC. Yes, mm. I can. Um, we're working on getting, um, you know, different groups of people like to, I think we're, we're talking to the, the state government about, um, like a vet program amazing, and, uh, something for convicts, which we have a bunch of people that have been incarcerated coming through here now, but we're working yeah. on like ways to really make it a real part of the curriculum with the city. And that's amazing. Yeah. So if you guys are both planets, your son, you would say is growth. Yes. Yeah. Because when I, you know, why I brought up singing background and, and pathways, I was um really telling everyone, they'll all tell you, you guys need to get this publishing money and you need to get it right now. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's, it's hot. Get yeah, it while yeah, it's yeah. ready. And so I think he was one of the first people to be like, you're right. I need to go focus on that. And so, you know, that turned into just um, looking for what the best thing to focus on is. And then at a certain point, which, um, you know, everybody loses all their money if you make some and you didn't have any to begin with. Yeah. Even if you did have some, you probably you have a chance you'll lose it all. Yeah. Without experience and wisdom. And I always tell people that's when you start looking for Jesus. Like when you, you know what I mean? That's when you start looking for God and how to like be better and all these things god if you get me out of this i'll never do that again type of shit <laughs> yep and so you know like that inevitable path really galvanized the 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 growth um you know planet or sun i should say because after you know like you hear and are told the value of education and the value of growth your whole life preschool yep. on up but it's different when you have experience with it and you really learn from experience the value of something you learned mm -hmm. and the value of something you went through. And so, again, that's just something that anybody that is around me that I fuck with like that or allow <laughs> into my yeah. life is someone that's orbiting around the growth sun <laughs> because that is, in my opinion, the the best pathway for everyone and, and also the opinion of every philosophy religion um you know every group around the world at least on the surface they all have that one thing in common that mm. 
there's I can't think of a religion right now or or a school of thought or anything that's like just don't do shit. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, just you know I guess maybe um city girls. <laughs> Everybody's pretty. You know what I mean? That's the only religion that I'm like I don't know, guys. I don't know if this is sustainable. <laughs> You know what I mean? But that's why we can't let you be too bad of a bitch. I know, man, because yeah, yeah. they're calling me right now to go speak at the fucking city girls. No, no, no. We we got to keep you out of there. <laughs> we got to keep like, you out of there. No, I got to flip my hair on them. All right, so you are credited as a songwriter with Kendrick Lamar, J. Cole. These people are incredible lyricists. So, what are you are you doing? Are you writing lyrics with them, or what is being a songwriter with people like that? No, I'm well with with rappers. It's always just me writing my own part. Yeah. And with respect to rap, I also am a rapper. And so I use a lot of rap techniques when I'm writing songs in general. And so, you know, I just realized that I could sing well enough or, or, you know, like relative to other singers I had heard that I should focus on that and not rapping. But I still feel like I'm the best rapper on the earth. So, you know, challenge me. Bow down, everybody. Yeah. I mean, you have been been amongst the best and contributed to the best and been on the mic with the best, been writing with the pen with the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so number one rapper, James Fauntleroy. Let's get it. I mean, think about the experience that you've had sharing a room and writing with all of these people, like the greatest writers, artists of mm-hmm. all time. Yeah. Yeah, it's really like... uh a testament to, you know, the sacrifices that go with, um, you know, getting to that level. And also, you know, it's good to get, I, I want to say mutual respect. I don't know how much respect a lot of these niggas have <laughs> in their bodies to give out. But, um, you depending know, like, on the ego. Yeah, it depends on who you're, who we're talking about. But, um, you know, to be acknowledged on that level, uh, on the one hand, I expect it but then on the other hand it's such an honor yeah you know like i think one of my favorite memories i walked in a room because jay electronic is one of my favorite rappers and obviously jay-z is one of the best people that will ever do rapping ever no matter what oh yeah and so it was jay-z and jay electronica in the room and when i walked in he was like okay the gods is in here now and i was like now (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing man no one was there to see that but i saw that shit you hold on to that um yeah because it was just like you know like i said i i see myself um you know even more dramatically than everyone else can see me. Yeah. But, um, of course that's just the truth. Yeah. But, um, you know, so many, there's so many great people in time. I think about this a lot. There's so many super talented people that never get the statistical success to Mm. be acknowledged. Yeah. And so I've been, I feel so lucky and honored to have had the, you know, like what the executive, or, you know, revenue-based success yeah. and statistical success as a platform for what I'm actually good at, which is my job, you know yeah. what I mean? Because yeah, a yeah, lot yeah. of people, it's just much easier, especially every single day that passes to to get access and visibility and all sorts of benefits from statistical information and not having any talent. Yeah. And so kind of part of my dream is that I can show people who really care about music and theory and 
concepts because you know writing and, and singing are two different and, and music i'll say are such different things uh, mentally but people who really um feel like their niche or, or destined to be marginalized because of the level of skill they have mm. um you know there have been people i always think of uh, i think the blues brothers for instance that story of them you know being so successful and then going to play at the club and yeah. everybody's like loving these guys and so i think someone needs to do that for every generation. Yeah. You know, we need people to remember that statistics are not the only metric, no matter what. Yeah. But I always say that I never shot my, there's one A&R I shopped a song to that I sold and someone emailed me. It was like, I bought one of your songs, but he actually didn't buy that song from me. Somebody else played him that song. <laughs> so I've only had one person be like, I want your song. Even though I know every single person in the whole business, they all know me for the most part. But um, you know, it's really been the creative community that has um, you know, like brought me into my entire career. Like yeah. everything. Like I've never had a moment where the people who um are using statistics or um chart success to decide who they're going to hire or work with. I never had that moment where I was like the hot guy that all the executives are calling, but I've consistently from the beginning of 15 years ago till now, I've been, you know, in high demand by the creative community, the artists. Like yeah. I had a meeting with the famous executive that was as terrible as most of them have been. Mm. A lot of the executives now are people I came up with, so I don't, yeah. I, they're not weird. You know, like they're like more normal people now. <laughs> <laughs> but I had this one meeting with an executive. Nigga was late. Came in there uh, and just sat down and was like, um, so tell me what it is. What is it? What's up? And oh. I was like, I was like, uh... <laughs> You asked me to come here. Oh, my God. <laughs> what are you talking That's about? That's horrible. What do you mean, what is it, what's up? And he said, um, every artist I've had come in here for the last couple months, when I asked them who they want to work with, it's you. Amazing. And he's like, so why is that? And I, I, I basically said, I don't think, it, there's no words I can give you that are going to make you understand this. And so then I pulled up a uh, TED Talk. <laughs> in the middle of the meeting and i made him watch an 18 minute video by simon sinek Love about simon sinek. how great leaders inspire and i was like if you can understand this then you'll understand why people are asking me to come in here i don't know if you did or not but that's that really happened everyone listen to that ted talk by the way yeah, simon it's sinek amazing is incredible well i gotta say uh you've given me a lot of support and encouragement and that has yeah. meant that has meant a lot to me. Nah, you're awesome. That's why. I appreciate you, bro. 127%. Let's get it. That's right. Actually, one one moment I'll never forget. Uh, this is probably like six or seven years ago or something. You and I were in the studio with Snow Allegra mm. and No ID. Mm -hmm. And uh, No ID walked in. You and I were already there chilling. No ID walked in and he was like, oh, hey, James. Rihanna wants us to go into the studio. Let's go right with Rihanna. And you were like, where? No idea. was like, Barbados. And then you were like, okay, cool. That was when I realized how big of a baller you are, bro. <laughs> you didn't even flinch at that news. Yeah, I don't really like that. You didn't even flinch at that news. 
I only probably even did that because I love Rihanna so much. Like. <laughs> no, and no ID also love no ID. Super chill, humble, mellow guy. So the two of you together, <laughs> I think I am a little louder than both of you a little bit. Maybe. But uh, but just no ID being like, yo, man, Rihanna wants you to go to the studio in Barbados. Let's go. And you're like, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. And then back to just rolling. Yeah, bro. I mean, that's that's one of the pros and cons of the business is after a while, those things are not uh, as exciting. I'm always excited to work with Rihanna because she's just such a great collaborator and platform and just so supportive and just a good experience. So, like, I'll go to fucking Jupiter if Rihanna was like, because yeah. I hate traveling, too. Yeah. So. Oh, okay. So that's probably why my response was muted, because I don't want to go anywhere. But, you know. If it's Rihanna, I'm, I'm out of here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It seems like you and Rihanna. And that's a, not true for a lot of people, bro. Yeah. Well, you can tell just even from the outside that you and Rihanna have a special relationship. Um, her song, James's Joint, of course, which if you listen to that song, sounds, it, I mean, it is a James Fauntleroy song just sung by Rihanna. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. Yeah, what, it what is the story of that song? Is that what happened? No, it's like. I went to the studio because, like I said, even because Rihanna's been like false starting albums for since her last album, <laughs> and I still go work on that shit because it's Rihanna, you know. It's not even the, especially not at this point. It's not even about the money or none of that. It's just yeah. like, you know, that's my nigga. But um, what am I telling you about? Oh yeah, so James I went in the joint. studio, and. Um, Omar, Omar Grant, he's now running Rock Nation over there. I'm so proud of him. But, um, at the time he was Rihanna's A&R and he always tells everybody like, don't bring me a Rihanna song. You know what I mean? Because that's just, she doesn't want that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's why she is who she is. Yeah. And so I noticed, I rarely go to writing camps. One, cause it's not fair. Cause you know, I'm just going to blow everybody's shit out of the Let's water. Get it. I rarely go yeah. to writing camps. Yeah. But I noticed when I've gone to camps for her, people are still doing a fucking Rihanna song whenever I go in there, which always blows my mind because I've seen him tell people not to do that so many times, and they literally just do it anyway. And so, um, which is, is you know, I'm just saying that for those of you that ever get asked to do a Rihanna song out there. But when I got song, there, kind of everybody was doing trap, which that's not necessarily Rihanna, but, like, that's just what was so super popular at that time. Yeah. I mean, still at this time, all times. So everybody had a trap beat. And the producer of that song is a is a guy named Shay Taylor. You know Shay Taylor? No. Oh, my God. He's an absolute fucking genius jazz musician. Amazing. And he's a producer. He's produced so many things, so many, like, just incredible songs throughout time. And so he can make amazing trap beats. He has the skills to do that. And But the problem was that he can also make, like, incredible jazz pieces. And so when I went in there, he did what, what you know, made sense, which is he pulled up one of his trap beats, and I was like, what is this shit? You know what I mean? I was like, because, and one, it was two things. It was one, when I walked, to the room i heard trap beats coming out of every room yeah and then two i'm like there's no way that i'm gonna sit here with a genius um jazz musician and waste time making a trap song yeah, yeah, yeah. when everyone else is doing a trap song so it was just double whammy of i'm not doing this so i was like 
Play me the most complex thing you can think of in your computer right now because that's what I'm feeling. And it wasn't even like, you know, because that's the other thing is like, I'm not, I'm just trying to make the best song because that's what, what our relationship is. Me and Rihanna's relationship is based on taste. It's a taste thing. That's, to me, that's the secret of her and a lot of people like us um, of our lives is it's taste. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I'm like, um, out of respect to my taste levels, like I need some some tasty shit. <laughs> and so he pulls up this jazz piece that he had been working on. And um, I wrote to the song, like, you know, what I thought it, it was saying to me. And then I left and I didn't name it. Cause I was like, drop the mic, like, don't play me no trap beats again, yeah, not yeah. everybody, you know what I mean? Like, because if you call me to come do a trap song, now if you got that money, I'll come do that, I'll trap you <laughs> if you <laughs> want to get in the trap. <laughs> but um, for the most part, even now, like, um, I, I really want to push myself, push the audience and push the art, you know, I just want to push things. And so I didn't even name the shit. I just walked out. Rihanna's engineer is, you know, over the years we've become really good friends. We spent so much time together working with Rihanna. And her personal engineer was the engineer for this session for me to record the song, too. Probably because we're cool. You yeah. know what I mean? And so when I left, he, I didn't name it. He just typed James Joint like a James song. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... And maybe also he was being funny because he's a funny guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then when Rihanna saw it, I wasn't there, but I'm told when Rihanna saw it, she was like, oh, this is perfect. This is the name of the song. I'm also told another famous hater was trying to convince her to change the, uh, the name of the song after playing it eight times in the studio. But she stuck to her guns, named that beautiful song after me and... You know, the entendre of the title and the topic, and I just thought that was genius. But I didn't even name that song because I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. I figured, she, I figured you did yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't have named it James yeah, Joint. Yeah, yeah. As arrogant as I sound in this interview, that, I, would, I, would no. never, I would never name a song after myself. It's all comedy. It's all comedy. That makes sense. But, yeah. and it also just because if there is a song for another artist to title James Joint, it is that song. It sounds like it could be on your solo album. Yeah, oh man, that's. That's because when I'm working with certain people, her being a really good example, yeah. it really brings the real me out because yeah. I know I I can do that. You know, yes. like I have to, and, and any writer or producer, you know, it's a service business. So we have to uh, try at least to meet the demands of the, the customer. In our business, a lot of times the customer is wrong. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and so that's been my, the times that I've gone against what the customer asked for or when they were just so wrong about what they needed that it was a waste of time for me to do this wrong thing when I can do the right thing, you guys cannot take it, and then I have a good song now. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I've had I've done that a million times. <laughs> People come in and ask me for an up-tempo, but they really need a ballad. Yep. And then I'm like, here you go. <laughs> and so, you know, I've done that a lot of times. But for with Rihanna and, and certain other artists, um, you know, you'll get more of me in the music because I feel comfortable doing yeah. that. Because I'm also good at completely taking my own, um, you know, parameters out of a situation. Because I'm yeah. really about like, what's the target? What's the, what's the platform? What's the message? You know, like I don't really think of it as a, 
spiritual incense burning thing, although I love spirits and incense, but you know, it's, it's really like a, a science for me, especially having done it so many times and, and at such a level, um, I can do whatever, you know what I mean? But there's just certain circumstances that bring something else out. And those have been the best songs in my career, period. Like, you know, working with Bruno, working with, um, Rihanna, working with Justin, these circumstances brought different things out of me, but they brought, they, they, they kind of demand the best with the environment. That's something I tell people. I've been telling people my whole life, even when I didn't even know if it was true. Yeah. But now that I know it's true, I've, I've, my whole career, I've been talking about the environment of a hit song or environment of money or the environment of a good song. It's just like, a, you know, when you think of a studio session, you think of what you've seen on TV, 700 people, somebody's twerking, like, you know what I mean? I'm like, where are these? I've never seen these sessions before with twerking in them, but I've seen them on TV so many times. Where are these sessions? Yeah, like, why can't I go to the twerk session? What the hell? Is, I'm a bad bitch. Let me in. And so, um, you know, typically these environments just have certain things in common. There's not a lot of people. Um, there's a target. There's a, a platform, and we, we, we have confidence that the – label is going to support it there's just a bunch of different factors but then the most important factor is the artists themselves mm. because the environment around them whether they are aware of it or not is a reflection of them yeah and so people how people act people's e- people absorb your ego um when you're the leader you know what i mean like there's a bunch of different dynamics that the artist creates in the environment and and i've seen more often than not um them unknowingly stopping themselves from getting what they're looking for with the environment they choose to create with Bruno Mars. You've done, you've done a bunch mm-hmm. and uh, you wrote for Bruno Mars. You wrote, uh, that's what I like. Mm, yes. Won, won yourself a couple Grammys, including song of the year. I wrote that with him and Phil like, Oh my God, geniuses. So with that being said, I'd like to go to the next segment of the show, which is called James Fauntleroy's. That's what I write. <laughs> oh that is fantastic. Okay. I love it. You wrote That's What I Like for Bruno Mars, with Bruno Mars and mm-hmm. Philip. So what exactly did you write of that song? That was a long time ago now, dude. And with those songs in particular, they were written over really long spans of time because we were working on a bunch of things at once. And so I can't really remember, to be totally honest. And it's also kind of like an ancient ghetto secret. You know what I mean? But one thing I'll tell you is because I'm from Inglewood, because <laughs> I'm from Inglewood, everybody thinks I wrote, um, which I, this is on 24 Karen Magic, everybody thinks I wrote Inglewood's finest shoes. <laughs> but Phil wrote that. Really? He's hilarious, man. So funny. I think Phil wrote that. Hopefully Bruno doesn't. Oh, I'm in a headlock when I see that. I see so it's that. not like a standout lyric or melody from that one? No, it's just like, you know, like... Yes, I sing different melodies, and I'm singing on all those songs too, but for the most part, his um, process, it it involves a lot of so much um, attention to detail that, again, it's just not like what the sessions look like on TV. Yeah. Even though there is some some of that, you know, just singing melodies and doing this and that and whatever, but he's really... um, you know, both of those guys, I learned so much from watching them, which is, you know, crazy because I've known both of them. I met Phil before I even was a writer. 
Wow. I was I was like helping. I was like an assistant teacher at a for like this after school program, and Phil was one of the speakers. And I never seen a speaker. Even wow. now, I do all this education stuff. I never seen anybody um, interact with kids as well as Phil in my life. That's like, awesome. He was going crazy. So I always remembered him from that. And then by the next time I saw him, he was working with Bruno. But I met Bruno separately. I think I may have met Bruno before he met Phil too. But I had met them. I met both of them in completely different places. And we kind of came up together at the same time, starting to have our first hits at the same time. And they, their career just took off in a completely different way. Um, and so when I went into work with them, finally, after all seeing each other do our different things, I was like, one, excited because I know these guys and they're hilarious. So we were in there fucking crying, laughing for the whole time. But it was just such a great I I knew it would be such a great opportunity to learn and it really was you know even more it was exponentially more um you know valuable and exp- learning experience than I thought going into it cuz they're just you know like I that's my one diamond song but those two guys have six wow and then bruno told me last week that finesse is nine times platinum now oh it's on its way yeah so i'm about to they'll have seven but i'll have two and you know i wasn't expecting to have any in the digital age i thought that was over you know right what i mean so i um with, with, learned a lot dude with that's what i like like one song of the year and now it's diamond when you're in the studio and you're hearing it back and you guys are writing it do you know you have it no that song is such an instant smash he when you knows hear it. he Who, knows bruno? bruno knows bruno knows you can just put that on a tattoo or on your chest bruno knows on the shirt he's writing looks intentional like he knows how to make yeah, a yeah i mean smash. yeah i think that he um he there's a lot more going on than i think people could imagine in terms of how the level of skill that he has had to develop to be where he is in life right now yeah it's something that he's so normal too, so he doesn't. He's not going to talk about that shit, and you know, other people that witness it are not necessarily going to be running around talking about how much this nigga is doing. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But he's doing so much because one, he's just really serious about it, just like all the, the stars we we talked about today. But you know, he really has the skill level of an experience of just being a writer just being a producer just playing in a band just singing like he really knows what he's doing and so um you know that that can be difficult when you the the not bruno person is mm. trying to understand something that you don't yeah <laughs> and he can't tell you because how can you tell somebody something you can't necessarily explain right and so it turns into a lot of um, trust, you know what I mean? Him trusting that the people he brings in to work with him are going to bring to the table why they're there, you know what I mean? Because that's another thing is, like, everybody that he calls in is, like, extremely good. They're there for a reason. Yeah. And then also trust on our part that to trust the process of however he wants to get to the end result because, the, you know, the... The outcome is pretty undeniable. <laughs> it's pretty undeniable. Yeah. I feel like you would just know when you hear that song, just like, oh, man. But he knows. Nah, man. Like, he'll tell you, like, yeah. we we were working on that song while they were mixing the album. Wow. Like, oh, so that was, like, the last song on the album? Yeah, I mean, they all were the last song. Like, <laughs> every song yeah. we were still working on <laughs> while it was being mixed. And yeah. if I'm not mistaken, 
a week before it was done, we completely changed the B section of That's What I Like. Really? To something that was, I don't even remember what it used to sound like. It was something completely different from jumping the Cadillac, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so finesse, Cardi B and Bruno Mars going on 10. Let's right go, now, baby. Nine. Okay, do you remember what you wrote from that song? Wait, can I guess? Sure. I don't remember, but if you say something and I didn't write it, I'll probably remember that. <laughs> For sure, James Fauntleroy wrote, and you wrote the melody too, blame it on my confidence, oh, blame it on your measurements. Bruno for sure wrote that, <sighs> but I may have um, interjected on that second half melody and rhythm, but I really can't remember. But I know for sure he wrote those words. That's a Fauntleroy signature rhythm right there. Well, you know, I may have. I don't remember, bro. When I heard that, I wasn't even <laughs> certain that you wrote it because I hadn't checked yet or whatever. Yeah. I was like, that's James. That's James. And, I would, yeah. and it was like show info. I was like, thanks for And I knew then it was plus, James. like, if I'm going in here and learning all this shit. And working with all these geniuses, they'll also learn things from me. You yeah. know what I mean? So I don't know if that's what happened in that case, but I imagine that at this level, it's there's a lot of mutual respect going on because, you know, when I first started, I had so many executives and managers trying to explain to me why whatever was going on was a favor for me. Yeah. You need to give us your publishing because we're doing you this favor. You need to accept these terms. You need to accept these hours and this treatment because we're doing you a favor. And I shit you not, like, year one, I was like, I'm doing you a favor. Yes. <laughs> For sure. Year one. Like, I never subscribed to this you're doing me a favor shit because it's a privilege for both of us to even do this for a living, first yeah, of all. Yeah, Let's yeah. start off there. We're experiencing favor together. Yes. And then, yes, it's a favor, but it's really just genuinely mutual. And then in a case like Bruno, uh, well, Bruno actually might do you a favor, but for the most part, <laughs> these motherfuckers is not doing you favors. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, most of the shit I'm on, it wasn't because somebody liked me or because they owe me nothing or nothing like that. It's It's really about... Your ability to to deliver, I think it also is in part the experience people have with you and what kind of person you are. But you can be the worst fucking person alive and still have success in this business as long as you're delivering results. Yep. But then that starts to become a problem when you inevitably are not delivering at the same level and people are ready to get rid of you immediately. So there's sure. a little bit of personality and interacting with people, but for the most part, it's... And then also, like I said, Bruno's different because we've known each other for so, like, longer than anyone we've talked about. I know Bruno. Yeah. But um, for the most part, you know, like, you're, um, you're, you're there for a reason. Yeah. And for me, the reason is to have a positive impact on the listener, write a song that's of use, and to, um, you know, like, grow. So now that... That's what I like. Finesse. These songs are, are such massive hits that you probably hear. I mean, you definitely for a few years heard everywhere you went. <laughs> now That's nice. I like that. And now you're still hearing. Yeah. What is it? What is it like? Especially now, a couple years in. Like, is it still you hear? That's what I like or finesse, and you're just like, <laughs> I still hear no air sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm just like mind blown. That's amazing. Um, that people still remember those songs, especially. No, it was your first hit, right? Yeah, that was my yeah. first hit song. Yeah. So that's got to make you smile. Yeah, it's really insane man like seeing people post it still and talking about it and it's really wild okay so i'm gonna stop doing that's what i write because i feel like you're just gonna be like i don't remember and i might remember <laughs> come on what you okay got? okay 
Justin Timberlake 2020 experience. All right, let me see. Entirely James Fauntleroy all over that. Well, um, me and him were both writing it. Well, uh, yes. He's actually, but you're on every song, right? You did the entire yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, same thing. Like you and Timbaland almost every and every superstar, and especially from that era. I can't speak for these superstars now, if there are even a bunch of them to talk about, because the game has changed so much. Yeah. But these guys are really, really seriously talented. Yeah. They're not people that you give them a song, especially Bruno and Justin, because they're both serious songwriters. Yeah. Like, Bruno was a professional songwriter, and Justin, I imagine, started writing songs when he was in the group. Yep. And so that's still a lifetime, you know, that's a, a long, real experience. So he's yeah. a real songwriter. So I think Justin was the first artist I worked with that I can remember that we were, because, like, I I, I low-key hate how we were talking about singing to each other earlier. <laughs> I really don't like that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not really, like, a running around the studio singing to each other kind yeah. of guy. Although that, that works for some people really well, but, um, and like I said, also at that time, it's different when you're comfortable with the person. It's not weird, but I think if you're just meeting somebody for the first time, you're just dancing around singing to each other. That's just weird to me. <laughs> <laughs> and so like with Justin, when we started the album, we had already known each other for six years. We had been writing for six years. Like wow. we had even written some hit songs together. Yeah. Before we started day one on 2020. So we were just really comfortable with each other. And that was my first time working with somebody that I was really going back and forth with. Yeah. And it was like TV. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And <laughs> it was like, TV. yeah, you know what I mean? And he, he, both of us at that time, I had gotten to the point where I had stopped writing stuff down on paper because I had just written so many songs. And this was a million years ago, but yeah. I had written so many songs, it was, it was slowing me down to write down on paper. And he also writes in his head. And so, you know. Oh, wait. So since a, you weren't writing on paper, you're just, it's all in your yeah, head? Yeah, we're both literally just like singing stuff. And then you typically when you're doing this, it's like someone becomes the unspoken leader of the decision making in the writing process. And then they say, I like that. I like that. But that was really genuinely, there was none of that. It was just like. It was just like what we were saying was it. It was like he would say this line and then I would say the line and that was it. It wasn't. And no, you would just immediately go cut that line? Yeah. Sometimes we I'd say half of the cause we wrote thirty songs. Yeah. But like half of the songs um were us just going back and forth and then I would write it down so we could keep track of what we both said. Cause we're both just rattling shit off. And the other half we were just tagging tag team in the booth, just like you go I remember one song. What song was this? It was some song where I had to use the bathroom really bad, and it was not number one this time. <laughs> so I was like, I'll be right back. I got to go to the bathroom. So I went to use the potty. I came <laughs> back, and he had written half the song. Oh. And I was like, damn, I might not get on this one. He was like, actually, I need to go to the bathroom now. <laughs> he, I don't know if he did it number one or number two. That's his business. TBD. But when he came back, I wrote the other half of the song. And that's one of my favorite songs on there. But I'm trying to remember if it was, it's one of these two songs that we did that on. I think it was, was it Don't Hold the Wall? I don't remember. But don't Hold the Wall written in the stall. Yeah, that's right, baby. <laughs> I think it was that. It was either that. Or, no, 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 no. It was um, Are You Comfortable Right There, Right There. You remember that song? Let no. the Groove Get In. That's what it's called. I love that song. I'm going to go listen to oh it. Oh, my God. Picture you guys. Pooping. Just like tag team. No, we didn't poop together. And I don't no. know that Separate. he pooped. No, but, you, you, know. you did 
productive poops. It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. one keeps it going. But it was that level of trust. It was yeah. like, you know, like how a dog watches you when you're pooping so you're safe. It was yeah. like, you can write this while I poop. And oh, I know, that's so cute. I know dude. I'll be okay. That's a special collaboration right there. Yeah, bro. That's why it was the shit. Poop and tie. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how about suit and tie? Suit and tie, what? Which parts did I write? Yeah. Um, let me see. I can't. He wrote that. I think I wrote that. No, he wrote that too. Because he also wrote, she ain't nothing but a little doozy when she does it, which is hilarious. <laughs> um, right? Yep. And we don't mind all the watching. I wrote that whole. So he wrote the first half of the verse. I wrote the second half of the verse. Then he wrote the hook. Long as I got my suit and tie, I'm gonna do it for tonight. Let me show you a few things. Then I wrote, let me show you a few things. So we literally was going back and forth. So <laughs> I love that. He wrote the first half of the verse. I wrote the second half. He wrote the first half of the hook. I wrote the second half. Um And when and when you're doing that, it's hook and melody? Same writer? Yeah. Yeah. I love Although that. we did both too. You know, there yeah. are also times where I would do a melody and he would write the words or he would do the melody and I would write the words. Yeah, yeah. For the most part, probably because we've written so many songs, you know, like if I wasn't there or he wasn't there, we wouldn't be doing any of that. We would just go in the booth and just write it. Yeah. But, um, I don't know, man. That was one of my most fun experiences of any kind working on the 2020 so experience. So fun. And then what about Timbaland? What about him? Like in terms of... uh with you guys being in the room writing, is he there? Is he, he's just doing the beats with you. Is he even there with you guys in those moments? He was there every day. He was there every, so it's, it's the whole time, which was not normal for Timbaland behavior right. at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was really invested and he was really, everyone was, it was yeah. just a really, you can tell. Yeah, it was really, the whole project is cohesive. Yeah. Like, and you can tell that it's everyone coming in, giving it their all and, and doing the, the full project. Yeah, it was yeah. like, you know, everybody at their best. Yeah. So I think that's why it came out like that. And people still talk to me about that. Every every other day, right. somebody says something to me about that shit on the internet. So Oh, man, Suit and Tie, I loved when that when that dropped. I was like, yes, dude. But people be thinking I yeah. wrote everything all the time, which I really love that. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I love that people, whenever yeah. they like, like you just now, whenever they hear something good, they're like, I know you did that one. Yeah, but, so I don't, <laughs> I usually trying. don't correct people, but he genuinely... Um, you know, is an incredible songwriter. What about Mirrors? Mirrors we wrote when we first met. So really? That song was six years old. No way. When it came out on the album. And I think that song was when we knew that we would keep writing for real. Because how I met him, I was writing for an artist that was signed to him. Um, And that's kind of how we met. He just like appeared in the studio behind us and scared the living shit out of me, honestly. Oh, my God. Cause I was sitting there um, writing with the girl at the at the board like this, and he was like, "Sounds good," out of nowhere, and I was like, "What the fuck?" Just scared the shit out of me. <laughs> and um, but yeah, we wrote mirrors many years before the album came out, and he I, he he like called me, and was like, "Y'all got this idea," and um, if I could remember the words of that song, I could tell you more detail of who wrote what, but um. There are definitely things by that time, even though that was still early on, we had worked with each other enough that we both picked up each other's stuff. Yeah. 
Like I picked up, he picked up a lot of things from me for sure. I can still hear, and I don't know if he can hear that I picked up so many things from him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I really did. Like I learned a lot about how do I describe it? It was something that he was that he does in general, but he was doing this album where he was just like snapping. It was just like, what is this? And I already had that in my spirit. This yeah. this thing to like call forth some something really creative and, and unique and interesting and like captivating, but he was just doing it on another level. And it was just, he was making it look so easy. So I was just like, I have to be able to tap into this. So I started really like paying attention to what about what he was doing was blowing my mind so much. And then within the album, so that, that was over the years when we working with him, but even on that album, I was picking up even more shit. Like, do you remember something? Um, you really could pick any song, but basically I'll just explain the technical aspect of what I've observed. It was like a way he was really making something simple and complex at the same time, which is something I've been doing my whole entire time, even before I met him. But yeah. the way he was doing it was like he was able to capture rhythms and melodies that were rhythmic and simple, you know, like at first glance, but if you had to do it, you probably couldn't. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because he was incorporating dynamics. I'm, I'm, I assume he picked up from dancing or from just his lifetime as an entertainer and a musician. Um, I think another misconception about writing in general is just that. Because I see a lot of people that are really good at singing who are not good at writing um and think they are because they sound good yeah but almost every major writer in time was not a great singer i'm one of the only ones and so uh that's because that's because they're completely different skills yeah they're they don't that's i mean you know anyone that really knows their shit knows yeah. there were lyric writers and yeah. melody writers absolutely and so now today everybody assumes that it's one thing so they that's what they do but you know this guy um really had the the melody science down to another level of making something that was not just good but cool also. Yeah. And so as such a cool human being, I was like, this represents me. I need to understand this because I need to be able to do this too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like I really picked it up in the process of that shit. Cause like I said, I already had that. You know what I mean? But the way he was doing it was just different yeah. from the way I was doing it. And I really feel like that album pushed me to another level of skill. And so I hope he feels like that. All right. How about here's a rap one. Click. Oh, um, I wrote that whole part. So like the intro was supposed to be the hook. And and it wasn't acapella because it's an acapella part. But basically, I was in Hawaii working on this album with Kanye West. And uh, I... He had like everybody in different rooms working on shit by themselves. And I know Hit Boy since day zero for real. So, you know, I um every time me and him are somewhere in the same place, I'm always gonna be like, yo, let me get some beats from him. And so um I had the beat and I recorded myself on that shit in one of the rooms. Um and then when he heard it, he he put it. Kanye put it at the beginning of the song and took the music off to make it a acapella. That was him that did that. But I wrote the shit. So you wrote something and then he he went and put it yeah, where he wanted it. Was it. Like, yeah, exactly. Like yeah. I wrote it to the music 
of the shit. Yeah. And then he was like, you know, he decided, or someone, actually, I wasn't there, so I don't know what he did, because who knows what that motherfucker did or anything. Right. To be honest, but right. I'm pretty sure, uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure in this case, he was the one that decided to put the acapella in the beginning and pop that shit off like that. I wonder if we're all, because that, that clip, Click is Kanye and Jay-Z and, and Big Sean, right? And James Fallmore. So, yeah, I wonder if that is what he did with all the parts of that song. Oh, like throwing the shit around? Just throwing that shit around. Who knows, man? Who knows yeah. what that motherfucker did or didn't do? We'll never know. I know some things. <laughs> oh, tell me. <laughs> no, never. <laughs> I'm cool. I already had my run-in with his fans on the internet. I'm straight. Oh, Lord. Okay, we won't go there. Yeah. Um. All right. An incredible album, an incredible feeling album, or I guess an EP, uh, Silk Sonic. Oh, my God. God. I was so happy when that came out. Shh, me so, too. I was so, when I heard it, I was just mind blown. Like, I mean, I worked on some of the songs too, but like, when I heard it, they had a lot of it done already. And I was just That's like, what I was going to oh ask you. Oh, my God. So you it was in the into pandemic, the- so I was like, trying not to die. And right. they were like, laughing in the face of danger. And you were like, worth it. I'll risk it. Let's go. No, I came after. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> I did so, not say words. So Sonic, so Bruno Mars, Anderson Pack come together. Mm, and D Mile. And D Mile, of course, D Mile as as the glue of the project, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. um but when do you become a part of the project? When you walked in, you were saying they already had some stuff done and then It was Bruno. He was like, Yo, yeah. get on this song. Literally, yeah. like on the first one I worked on. And that's also when he wrote the Silver Ray jingle that I was singing when I came to the studio that no, day. The Silver Ray mm, jingle at the same time. That was really, really fun. They do seem like uh, yeah. timepieces in the same thing, yeah. And then there were a few that I worked on before the pandemic. Because if it had the pandemic not happened, I would have been on every song. I would have been there mm. every day. Yeah, yeah. But there were a few that I worked on before the pandemic, so that's how I ended up on the album. But yeah. I wasn't there when they were. So I saw the beginning process and the end process. Yeah. But the whole middle, I was at home. What What is it like? Like, so... For, in particular, skate. I can only imagine that you and Bruno and D Mile and Anderson Pack, like all together, is a riot of a room. Um, is that how it was? Yes, because they are absolute fools. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so you know, just hilarious. And then uh, I think it's JD and Domi. Yes, so some of the best fucking musicians, human people to ever pick what up did, instruments what did jd and domi do on that track they made the beat they made the beat yeah and then you know the guys they always tighten things up and yeah change this and do that i wasn't there for that part but i know the, the at least the beginning of the beat came from those two little geniuses wow that's the straightest thing i've ever heard them play yeah and it's excellent i was always wondering like and i love them and I'm a big fan of them. I love them, yeah. I we, think they're signed to Anderson in they some are. capacity, yeah, yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. how they ended up in there, but they deserve it because they're fucking amazing. Good for, the, good for them. That song is amazing. Yeah, it's a good song. And it's not what you would think of as for, for Domi and JD. You wouldn't think of a song that sounds like that, mm-hmm. so it shows a lot of their genius for sure. But yeah, so that must have been a fun session. It was, man, because he didn't have to do that either, so I was just like, wow, because, you know, I'm I'm like... I was just happy to hear the music because it was so good. I'm like feeling like a special VIP fan that I get to hear all this shit before everybody else. So I was cool with that. I was happy to be out of my house. 
even though I had a good time low key, but I was glad to be out of the house safely and I was happy to just listen to the shit and go home. But he was like, Yeah, we're writing this song. Let's write the shit right now. So me, him and Anderson wrote it outside on the table. Got her done. How much does a dollar cost? Mm, yeah, great song. Great song. Kendrick Lamar. Mm-hmm. Uh Famous for being an instrumental piece of Obama's mm. messaging, mm-hmm. right? Um, did you get to meet Obama? No, but I was. That song was on his music list for yeah. the year, and yeah. I was, I was thrilled. That must have been amazing to feel. Oh yeah, that's like really good, really nice. I'm hoping I get on there again one day. Hopefully, the daughters figure it out. Maybe they're oh. listening to Nova on their presidential yacht helicopter. <laughs> Oh, Got the daughters it. are the the daughters are the plug that I are like the daughters Dad, are really the A and R's of the family. A&R's. I think that he's like listening to them around the house and is like, "Oh, I like that one." That's how he talks. Yeah, he's like, "That one sounds great." Yeah, I love that. I've been spending a lot of time talking to Jimmy Jam. Oh my god, dude! I love Jimmy Jam. He's one of my favorite humans, hands down. And he hands out all the R and B Grammys. Yes, so I've got. I've, I've seen him on the stage a few times now. <laughs> And, um, I mean, you know, anyone to get to my level this is another thing that I am somewhat sad, but also working hard to preserve this art form because anyone that wants to get to this level, it needs to be as familiar with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis as you can get without stalking them yeah. in real life. Because these two guys are just, um, you know, the example for how, how this can go. Yeah. Especially with what I was talking about earlier about being like genuinely talented and genuinely loving all these different dynamics in music, but figuring out how to make it digestible is so much harder than people think. Typically yeah. when people are just good and you tell them to do a pop song, they make something that sucks. Have you yeah. ever noticed that? <laughs> because they think that pop music sucks. Yes. But what I tell people all the time is the people that make the music you think sucks, they're not thinking they're making something that sucks. This is the best shit they can make. Possibly make. So if you go in there and you're trying to compete with someone's best effort, with your sucky effort, you're not going to win, bro. (laughs) For sure. And so these guys really showed us, like, from my perspective, they're one of the people in in the timeline of music that really showed you, you you can love music as fully as you want to. And if you have the ability to... Love it enough to learn how to make it, put it in a package that someone that doesn't love it as much as you can now find your love in that song. Yeah. And that's what the fuck this is about. Yeah. So that's how I feel about Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. I love Jimmy Jam. Love Terry Lewis. Mm-hmm. He also has the most similar voice to Barack Obama. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about that. Really? That is hilarious, man. He's amazing. Yeah, he is so cool. I wrote James Joint at their studio. That's, that was the studio that it was when they had the studio still. Amazing. Um, yeah, so I, I met them at that studio early in my career. Nice. And so um, I just remember them being really supportive, especially Jimmy really like talking to me and all this shit. And I hadn't really done anything. So yeah. I was just like, why does this guy want to talk to me? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and so they've always been really cool and a rare example of meeting someone in real life that you look up to that's actually cool and not so a, cool. a giant steaming piece of slimy poo-poo. No, he's the coolest. No, that's what go. usually happens. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, I really try hard not to meet people I look up to. I, I started doing that early on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I've had a, I've had a relatively good experience. Jimmy Jam, awesome. Babyface, love him. Stevie Wonder, oh my God, the best. These are some great guys. Amazing. So those are times that I met or interacted with people I looked up to that I was like, yeah. oh, now I'm inspired. I want to be even cooler now. LaShawn Daniels, I was so excited to get to know him. He was so freaking hilarious, dude. Out of all the artists you've worked with, who do you like collabing with the most as a human? Um, I don't know, man, because, like, you know, for, for instance, Bruno, I met him when we both were broke, so it's yeah. a different... I have a different connection with him and his career because I watched the whole thing happen and I'm so proud, you know what I mean? So I have a different level of like, wow, look at what this guy became. And then um, Rihanna, you know what I mean? Like the level of freedom and support and just like, uh, you know, like when, when Rihanna had me do the Rated R album, and they went to take the songs into the label. The label was like, who is this guy? You know what I mean? Like, we're not putting... That's why none of my songs are the singles, literally. Because the people wow. at the label were like, who is this guy? We can't put these songs out. He's never... Who is it? You know, like, he wrote one song or whatever like that. And so, like, that was her decision. Her and Tata and, um, you know, the guys, they all made that decision on their own. And so, um, you know, that's something I always think about and remember. And it's still... Um, you know, like it's part of what propels me forward is like not um necessarily the money, although, you know, give me some. That's a, <laughs> um not necessarily the money, but like the support of people whose support is something that you have to earn. Yeah. And something that is meaningful because of how much sacrifice they made to get to the level of their support mattering at all or the environment they create mattering at all. So I say my favorites are um, Bruno, Rihanna, and Justin, uh, equally for different reasons. What is the best lesson Bruno has taught you? Um, there's a lot, man. I learned a lot from that environment, from him and Phil, honestly. But um, I'd say until I met Bruno, I had written all my songs, you know, like, in a day or a half hour or something like that. And he was the first person, which I knew that wasn't the only or correct way because even in the environment I was in, all the success I was seeing, which this is something that producers learn over time. Hopefully they'll learn this, but you know, like, you know, you do a song that's a demo and then you go back in and you finish it and work on it and you keep working on it until it's perfect versus I had just gotten as a, as a professional writer, you know, you have to go deliver right now to walk in a room full of strangers, listen to some music that's probably whack, and then try to make the best song ever with these people you just met with this music that's not that great. And so there's not a lot of room or even ability, possibility to keep working on songs. So because that was my experience, there was no working on the songs for more than one day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so his environment is, even with the Justin shit, we were writing all that shit same day, just going, 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 all the Rihanna songs, same day, all that. And so Bruno was the first person I worked with that we worked on a song over a span of time and fucking swept the Grammys. Yeah. When he went last time, swept it again. This nigga's just also a janitor. He's just <laughs> just a janitor exclusively for the Grammys. He's the official <laughs> Grammys janitor. And if you leave some Grammys around, they're getting fucking swept up by this nigga. And so, you know, it's like... 
that make that make you think about your process <laughs> and like, do I need to write a song in one day? So people that see me write, even I write so fast and they think that I'm doing that on purpose. But I really, even before that experience, but I didn't, it wasn't a, it wasn't really real until that experience. But I've never been writing fast because I am trying to write fast. It's just out of necessity. Yeah. And so like, that's a luxury too, to be able to continue to work on your music. But I really believe that that made an impact, but I learned that from him on a completely different level than I ever would have arrived at on my own. Yeah. So that was super valuable. Ladies and gentlemen, James Von Leroy. Yeah. Most platinum person alive. Greatest dude ever. We love James. Love James Fauntleroy. Yes. Fauntleroy. That's me, Floss Leroy. Well, bro, thank you for... Uh, thank you, Elmo. Thanks for taking the time. Thank man. you, guys. Thank you, people at home. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Mom. Thank you, Jesus again. <laughs> thanks. Everybody who grew up with me, you know, I have always been my best. Go. Wake up, 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 wake